Welcome to episode 75 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that tries to villainize people for actively choosing to proxy cards for their casual deck so that they can have money for other things like different hobbies and life itself, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm joined by the welcoming vampire herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so if I, do, if I happen to sound really croaky on this recording to the listeners mm-hmm. at home, um, it's because I went out drinking last night and there was a bit mm-hmm. of singing, as you do. So if I sound a little off, that's it. I'm fine. I'm not sick or anything like that. It's just, you know, usual Emma stuff. Yeah. It's been a bit quieter this week because I've been settling into a new job. Um, for mm. those who haven't seen on Twitter, um, I'm back at TCG Player now as a full-time staff writer. Nice. So in a bigger capacity than I was before. So a lot of my role is pretty much the same what I did TCG Player on the side. But um, so there's going to be like modern content. There's going to be budget modern content. There's going to be lots of Pioneer. Mm. So just bookmark TCG player because I'll probably be writing stuff daily at this rate and mm-hmm. I'm really excited to get stuck in. Nice. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Otherwise, I haven't done too much because I've just been focusing on settling in, to be honest, because there's like, a lot of um, onboarding and all the boring stuff that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I did manage to get my uh, COVID booster booked in this week, which I'm quite excited about. And nice. if you're in the UK and you're over 30, you can get it booked right now. So do it before it gets really cold and miserable because, you know, it's, it's worth getting right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's it for me. It's been a pretty quiet one. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I've been all right. Getting the the usual bits out of the way. My article this week, uh, it's all about ramping Commander, and particularly mm-hmm. if you're newer to Commander. Uh, so I cover like the best spells in the format, how they might fit into your decks, and that kind of stuff. Which ones to choose? So it's live on Card Kingdom now. You can go check that out after the show. Outside of Magic, I have been back on my Final Fantasy XIV buzz, but it has been hindered by a huge influx of people since the most recent DLC, Endwalker, was launched. I haven't really been able to log in uh, due to server capacity, even during off-peak times. I can only really log in post-midnight. Wow. Yeah. It's really, really frustrating, but it should start calming down now over Christmas, so I should be able to get back into it then which might be nice to do Mm. chilling on the couch with the laptop, maybe. As for Magic itself, uh, I've been practicing and playing Belcher whenever and wherever I can, and I'm really feeling a lot more comfortable with the deck now. Like, at first, I didn't really understand how, like, the recross piles were supposed to go and how you beat control and all sorts of stuff. Now I realize that, like, it's all just reps. Like, that's all you need to do is just reps, because I'm realizing that it has the ability to beat any deck or hate piece whatsoever. I definitely think it is by far the best combo deck in Modern, and it's not even remotely close. But, yeah, it's it's really, really good. I've also been playing a lot of spell table games, in no surprise mm-hmm. to anybody. <laughs> you know, I can never play enough Commander, to be honest. And speaking of, I was talking recently about a Rakdos Sacrifice deck with Dargo and Tormod. Uh, I've since changed that to Dargo and Nadir. Um, mm-hmm. So that is the Rakdos Sacrifice deck now. Nadir is a little more expensive than Tormod, but it gets value more than Tormod yeah. does. Not a whole lot of stuff leaving the graveyard in the builds that I've made, so... Nadir being a sack fodder is kind of nice, even though they're expensive. But uh, I did say I'd link the deck in the show notes when I was done. So it is there now. And I've also made a Marit of the Frost everything tribal deck. So it's just full of changelings and then a bunch of like random lords. So it is low power, like roughly pre-con kind of levels um, for when I play more relaxed games. Because there has been a lot of higher power stuff lately. Not Mm -hmm. CEDH, but like definitely high. So... I'm hoping to sort of drop the power level a bit because I love all kinds of commander. Like I played a game yesterday where I didn't do anything until I made my fifth land drop, which was like unheard of for the past Mm. like three months, basically, you know, it was just a nice pace change. Yeah. I'd rather not have it all to one power level, which is what it's been for a while now, which is pretty high. Like someone might, might win on turn four or five, as opposed to someone might play a spell on turn four. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah. So have we got any housekeeping this week, Emma? We do. So we'd like to give a warm welcome to Scott Hanch, who is the latest member of the Cheering Fanatics here. So mm. fa- thank you very much, Scott, and enjoy all those benefits. Yeah. Fun fact, I know Scott Hanch. Um, he is used he really? to... Is he your he, boss? Uh, n- n- not my boss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott Hanch, I used to uh, frequent the LGS, the War Chest, that I go to every week. He's American. He's now back in America, moved back over just at the start of the pandemic, I believe it was. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So... If you're listening, which I assume you are, Scott, hello. 
It's been a while. <laughs> Get in touch, bud. I want to see how you're doing. Scott and Scott. Yeah. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. All right, Emma, it is your turn this week. What is your card of the week? I think you're a fan of this one. I suspect you've played this one a couple of times in Commander over the uh, over the years, and that's Mission Briefing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from um, Guilds of Ravnica, uh, you get this instant that is a rare. It's two blue, so it's two blue pips. Um, and it reads, Surveilty, then choose an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So this is a really nice budget placeholder on like Snapcaster Mage. If you don't really care about the 2-1 body, if you just want extra copies of a certain spell in your deck, this is a really good one to have. Mm-hmm. In Commander especially, this is probably better than Snapcaster Mage because card selection is much more important than the 2-1 body because you get to Surveilty first. And then you can choose the spell once the cards, you know, if, if you surveil mm-hmm. the card that you want to cast off the mission briefing, you can do so. Also, mission briefing allows you to pay alternative costs on cards that are in the graveyard. So you can pay yeah. for like an overloaded psychotic rift. You can pay nothing for a, a, a force of will and just exile the card sort of thing just because of the way it's worded. And it's only a dollar. It's really cheap. And I'm surprised how cheap this is because it does quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so two things on this. The big thing for me with this card is paying the alternate costs. Yeah. Because that is enormous in Commander in, in particular. It's just ridiculous um, how often that will come up compared to with the Snapcaster. But also, Mission Briefing doesn't target. Yeah. So people can't snipe stuff out of the bin with, say, like a Scavenging Ooze or, or whatever. Or if they wipe the graveyard beforehand because of the Surveil, it means that you still probably will get something. You know, it's just... Yeah. It's so good it's just yeah all right so moving on we're gonna have a little bit of a roundup episode because you know it's december it's what everyone does we have a look back on the previous 11 months and comment on things that have happened so we are having five top fives of 2021 so we're gonna cover some magic stuff we're gonna cover one or two non-magic things as well just for a little bit of variety and uh, then we'll hit the q a on the way out yeah. sound good mm, a lot's happened this year <laughs> An awful lot has happened, yeah. So <laughs> the first the first top five that we have is top five cards. Now that's really, really broad, right? Yeah. Especially considering I did a Scryfall search and excluding reprints, there were 1,920 new cards to Magic this year. Crazy. What? So much. <laughs> and 191 of them were legendary creatures, so we're actually just not going to worry too much about that part of things just yet so no <laughs> we'll get to so, that we're gonna look at top five cards i think we can go like one at a time i'll take one then yeah. you take one all right so what i'll do is i'll kick us off with one first now i have chosen less big super mad splashy bomb cards and stuff because everyone's just going to be like oh number one is Ragavan and drc and whatever mm. um and while that's totally fine I feel like there are a lot of smaller players and underdogs in the year that I feel deserve a little bit more recognition than they might get in these lists usually. So to start off, my first card of the year, and these are in no particular order. None of the top fives are ordered because screw that noise. Way too much work. The first one is Secret Rendezvous. So one white white sorcery from Strixhaven that reads, you and target opponent each draw three cards. So... Mm. It's not necessarily because it's a powerful card, even though it is. It's because of the hubbub that it caused. It caused yeah. a rift in the commander community being like, this is terrible. Other people being like, this is good. I fell into the camp of this is good because it is. Yeah, it's just, it's really cool. It's cool to see them taking chances with white. And yes. that's what this is emblematic of, I think. Yeah. So my card is Urza Saga from mm-hmm. Modern Horizons 2. If you haven't played with Urza Saga, it's got a lot of text on it, and it is an enchantment land. So chapter one is Urza Saga gains add 
add colourless mana. Uh, its second chapter is Urza Saga Games to tap, create a zero zero colourless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. Mm-hmm. And then the third chapter, sorry, is search your library for an artifact card with a mana value of zero or one, put it onto the battlefield and then you shuffle. I just really like the utility of this card because it yeah. kind of gave birth to Affinity that I've been really enjoying playing because you have stuff like Shadow Spear, Mystery Bauble stuff aside, you can run this really cool sort of um, toolbox so you can run like welding jars and stuff like that. I just yeah. think it's a really, really cool design on the land and I'd like to see it more. Yeah, it's really cool. Next on my list is Archmage Emeritus, which is two blue blue for a 2-2 human wizard with Magecraft, one of my favourite abilities from the year which is whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell draw a card Mm -hmm. so we've seen these kinds of effects before for like artifacts or enchantments or whatever i just this is a spell slinger's dream creature you know i just Mm. it's draw more cards you know it's seeing a lot of playing commander it should probably see more than it already does and it already sees quite a bit but yeah it, it just feels like it's going to be a permanent staple for the format from now until all magic cards catch fire in the apocalypse or something you know? <laughs> yeah. so. Um, so carrying on with Strixhaven and Magecraft uh, mm. my card is Sedgemore Witch mm. um, which yeah. is probably one of my favourite cards that ever came out this year I wrote about it quite a bit when it came out as well because I just really mm. love the design of it so for two generic and a black you get a human warlock that's a 3-2 it has menace it also has ward and it also has Magecraft, so whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, uh, you create a 1-1 black and green pest creature with uh, whenever this creature dies, you gain one life. And I really enjoyed that time in Standard when Strixhaven came out and you had this and Plum the Forbidden and it was just really, really fun chaining off. And there was a part of me thinking that this could be really good in Pioneer a little bit because, you know, it's got Menace as well, so it, it can attack as well. Like, even though it doesn't see a lot of constructive play, I just really love the design of this card. I think it's really neat. Yeah, it's real cool. It shows up in weird places. Like, people have been playing it in Vintage and stuff as well. So. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. I, by the way, made a point of choosing one card from each color, because if I didn't, this would probably be, like, all red and blue cards. Yeah. So I didn't want to show my bias too yeah. much. But my black card is Deadly Dispute, which is one and a black instant as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature. You draw two cards and create a treasure token. So what's so good about this is that there are a lot of decks that can take advantage of sacrificing stuff. There are an awful lot of decks that have random things lying around that you don't mind sacrificing. And there are a lot of things that care about treasures. This is starting to show up a lot in Commander, even in CEDH, because Mm -hmm. the combination of this with sacrificing Dargo the Shipwrecker, for example, Mm -hmm. if you sacrifice Dargo the Shipwrecker to this, the sacrifice counts towards the two mana reduction for Dargo for the next time you cast him, but also you have the treasure token, which you can then sacrifice, which makes a mana towards casting him again, but also because you sacrificed an artifact, it's another two mana reduction towards Dargo. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, but overall, yeah, there's so many different ways that you can make great use of this. And yeah, I'm just happy to see little role players like this showing up a lot. Nice. Um, so my next card is one you're a fan of, uh, which mm. is Demi Lich from Adventures yeah. of Forgotten Realms. So for triple, uh, quadruple blue, sorry, you get a 4-3 skeleton mm. wizard. Um, and it reads, this spell costs one blue less uh, for each instant and sorcery spell you cast this turn. Whenever Demi Lich attacks, exile up to one target instant sorcery card from your graveyard, copy it, and you may cast the copy. You may cast Demi Lich from your graveyard by exiling four instant and or sorcery cards from your graveyard in addition to paying its other costs. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's just a zero mana for free, let's be honest. Like, it's just a really cool <laughs> design. I enjoyed seeing this in Modern when AFR came yeah. out, before, you know, uh, Merktite region existed. But no, it's just really, really cool just to see like a riff on Phoenix lists that just ran this as like a way just to, you know, play some free four freeze. It's just a really cool design. Agreed. Yeah, it's really, really sweet. Speaking of really, really sweet, this is possibly, this is in contention for my favorite card of the year, full stop. And that is Tybalt's Trickery. One in a red for an instant. Yeah, banned in modern and historic. (laughs) Uh, 
One in a red, instant. Counter target spell. Choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost, and then they put the exile cards on the bottom of their library in a random order. So, this is red's equivalent to, kind of like Arcane Denial, which sees a lot of play in Commander. Chibble's Trickery sees a lot of play in Commander. It should see more play than it is now even though it's already seen quite a bit. I use this in basically any deck that runs red because it feels so much better than a counterspell because you're still dealing with the problem. No matter what it is, you're still dealing with the problem. However, you might give them something else. And it kind of feels like the chaos warp of counterspells in that it could be it could be nothing. It could be like they could flip into a counterspell themselves and it doesn't do anything. Mm. Or they could flip into an Ulamog. Who knows? You know, I just love that little level of controlled chaos within games of commander and yeah. this is the most emblematic card of that in my opinion i think it's a very it's a very it's red so thing isn't it so good so so good also nobody expects it at all it's like bolt bend nobody expects it when you're playing a modern red deck good. you know yeah. yeah that's fair um yeah. so my next one is an interesting one because it doesn't really hasn't really seen any play in standard but i just really like the, the design of the card mm-hmm. the art of the card and i remember talking about it quite a bit when it dropped earlier this year and there's glorious protector from kaldheim fun fact kaldheim came out in february and we both just like <laughs> reeled ourselves pre-recording so we we're just like no it was last year what nope, is time? it was this year because <laughs> <laughs> time is just a flat circle um so glorious protector is a angel cleric it's a free fall Mm-hmm. So for two generic and two white, you have a creature with flash and flying. When Glorious Protector enters the battlefield, you may exile any number of non-angel creatures you control until Glorious Protector leaves the battlefield. And it's got foretell, mm-hmm. uh, which is two generic and a white, so you can foretell this and then cast it later on. Yeah. And I just think the card's really neat. I'm just gonna <laughs> just that's just like I just really like the idea of this card. Can never yeah. have enough sort of like resto angel sort of effects, I think. And it's mm-hmm. just a really good way to protect your board from like a board wipe or something. You can just bury all your creatures under this and then you know they all come back later on. Yep. See some reasonable play in Commander as yeah. well, which is cool. Just a nice card. Yep. Last on my top five for cards is Tireless Provisioner. So oh, Tireless Snacker. Mm-hmm. Yep, I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good name, Uh, come on. (laughs) Yes, it is, to be fair. Uh, Tireless Provisioner is two and a green for a 3-2 elf scout with landfall. And whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, create a food token, which you never do, or create a treasure token. So what you do. It's, yeah, like, I know it costs one mana more, but in Commander, that really doesn't matter. This is better than Lotus Cobra. Like, I'm willing to say strictly better, even though it's not strictly better because it's more expensive. Mm. But its effect is significantly more powerful than Lotus Cobras. It's mm-hmm. so good. It is so, so, so good. It's currently sitting at $1.44 or $0.77, cents according to Scryfall. That's bananas. This is going to go up. Eventually, mm-hmm. this will go up, and it will be like 5 $6. I'm telling you now, it's so powerful. But yeah, Powerful that's... card in my cube. Very good yeah. in my cube. Nothing else to add to it. It's just, it, it, it makes artifacts that help you win the game. Like I, yes, is it? So my last card in this top five cards of the year mm-hmm. um, is one that you're also a fan of. I'm picking a lot of blue cards, yeah. um, and this one's Consider from Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Um, so for mm-hmm. one blue, you get an instant. Uh, you look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard, and then you draw a card. In the terms of modern, this card is great, and I just love the cleanness of it. And the fact it doesn't have Sephale, mm. I quite like as well. It's just a very clean cantrip, and it's just nice to get these like one-mana cantrips that are very, very playable. And yeah, I just think it's great. Yep, for sure. Now, I'm going to throw in... Uh, I added an additional and entirely unnecessary top five colourless cards, um, <laughs> because there were actually just loads of cards that I really liked this year. So I'm going to skim through them very, very quickly. So first one up was the Underworld Cookbook. One generic... For an artifact, you tap and discard a card to make a food token, or pay four, tap and sacrifice it to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, this is more a nod towards the Underworld Cookbook and Asmorana Mardica Dice Nukuldakar in general, because that little yeah. food package, along with like the Oval Chase Daredevil, that little sort of like recursion package and, and creature control package and stuff, I just really, really like that, and it helped enable an awful lot of good, powerful, and affordable modern decks. Mm-hmm. So there's that. 
speaking of food, there's Academy Manufacturer as well. Three generic for Sounds a 1-3 good. assembly worker. If you'd create That's a good. clue, food, or treasure, instead create one of each. Uh, this is just bonkers for Commander. If you like game objects, this is the best card ever printed, <laughs> arguably. My favorite mana rock possibly of all time at this point, Liquid Metal Torque. Two generic for an artifact that taps to add colorless or tap to have a non-land permanent become an artifact in addition to its other types. This plus Resculpt now go into every single blue deck I ever make because of course you want to just exile a Planeswalker because you turned it into an artifact. That sounds great, mm. you know. This in red decks as well and being able to just abrade enchantments, fantastic. Then two more to go. One, Nettle Cyst, three generic for an equipment with living weapon. So when it comes in, you make a zero, zero Black Phyrexian German attached to it. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control, and it has equipped two. This is just really good in any deck that has artifacts full stop, be that mm-hmm. in modern or commander or anywhere. And then finally, probably my second favorite mana rock of all time now, which is Strixhaven Stadium. Three yeah. generic for an artifact, tap to add a colorless and put a point counter on Strixhaven Stadium. And then whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, you remove a point counter from it. But whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, put a point counter on it. Then if it has 10 or more counters on it, remove them all and that player loses the game. So a mana rock that is also a win condition in a creature heavy deck is really, really cool. I really like it. It gives your boring cards the boring cards in your deck are like the lands and the ramp and stuff and whatever this gives an extra level of depth and complexity to them that you don't mind pulling this off the top when you have a board you know Mm. so yeah i'm a huge fan of this i've killed quite a few people in my oketra deck with strixhaven stadium at this point nice yeah it's fun it's a lot of fun but yes they were my my top five additional and entirely unnecessary top five colorless (laughs) cards so (laughs) Moving on from that, we're going to go into something that's a little bit uh, quicker. We don't have to read through card names and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. our top five decks. So we've played with and seen and brewed a number of different decks this year. And there were loads to choose from. So we figured, like, why not just make a top five? Mm-hmm. So like with the cards, we each have a top five. Would you like to start us off, Emma? Yeah, so my first one is probably not a surprise. This is probably the most fun deck I've played all year. And oh. I mentioned it earlier, which is Neoform Affinity. Nice. Um, I just really, really like the idea of just somebody going, you know what we can do with Neoform <laughs> and, you know, a Sojourner's Companion? Get Crow Hoof Behemoth, because why not? Um, <laughs> it's just really cool just to see modern uh, modern archetypes come back, even though there's been some really bad bands, you know, bands that break the strategy in half, right? And they've just come back and they're still really good. And it's also really affordable as well. It's like $300. In, mm-hmm. in the realms of modern, that is very, very cheap at the moment, considering, you know, thanks MH2. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I just love it. I just love the idea of, you know, near forming my Frogmite into a Magus of the Future and going off and it just never gets old. Yeah. Speaking of decks that have come back from the brink after taking severe bans, mm. one that was basically made obsolete as a result of the Faithless Luling ban a while back was Hollow One. Yes. And my possi- this is possibly my favorite deck of the entire year as well. And it's the Empty Calories brew that I made. Yeah. Name is courtesy of Ian Holland, who's patron and again, obligated to say, not my boss. <laughs> and... It's just so much fun. Like it's it's if you want fun in modern and you want to spend significantly less than a hundred dollars, this is how you do it. Mm. This is the deck here. It has that food package, like I mentioned, and it just sometimes vomits out hollow ones, and then sometimes also reanimates feasting troll kings on turn two because why not? Like it has so many ridiculous angles and different ways to attack that I don't know. There's just something special about it. I think this is one of my mm. favorite brews of all time, arguably. So. Fair. Yeah, that's a good one. So my next one is another modern one. Um, I talked about it, rec- I say fairly recently, like in the last few months, and that's Jeskai mm-hmm. Eggs, because obviously oh, yeah. Eggs has come back now as well, a little bit. Um, so if you like taking all the game actions, you know, this is the deck for you. And it's mm. also quite affordable. But yeah, it's just it's just your typical Eggs package. Um, you've got Lurus of the Dream Den, because why not? And yeah, it's just it's just a bit of fun. And you've got like Mindstone and Golden Eggs, and you just pop off with uh, Pyro Spell Bombs. It's just... Yep. If you have affinity, you can pretty much pick this up and, you know, switch between the two quite affordably. Yeah, it's gas. It's really fun. Uh, I am going to have to put down Belcher here as well. Yeah. Because, like... Not surprising. 
it's just so good. It's so good. Like, it's so quick and easy to get into, but then, like, once you get a basic understanding of the deck, it suddenly becomes infinitely more difficult to get better at, but it's a fun mm-hmm. challenge because you have to start learning to think, like, three or four turns ahead, and it's just so much fun. It's so, so much fun. And also being able to just randomly, like, turn to a Blood Moon against, like, you know, the four-color control decks or Titan or Tron or whatever sometimes just feels really good. Yeah. So if we're just going to go on what we what we like and what we know, I'm going to put yeah. Tron in here as well because uh, even though even though it's not good at the moment, I still enjoy playing it. I really enjoy the Gigantha mm. build because having a free five five just seems good. Yeah. Um, and like Tron got some nice toys this year as well, thanks to Endurance and Yavimaya, um Cradle of Growth as well. Um, True. But yeah, is is I have a soft spot for it. You know, we all have those decks, even though if they're not good, we still play them. Yeah. Next for me would probably be my Wart the Raid Mother Spellslinger deck that I've called. I love Vulcan. the name of this deck. <laughs> I love naming my commander decks. This one's called <laughs> Welcome to the Gruel Parade. Um, and it's because it makes so many tokens. Like, I'm not one for tokens, but what happened was I was going to build a Spellslinger deck and I was like, I, I'm tired of building Spellslinger decks because they all end up looking the same. It's always blue-red and it's doing some storm-based shenanigans or whatever. This is a green red deck and it's based on copying spells and rather than focusing on storm even though there are one or two storm cards like empty the warrens or whatever but it's mostly as an enabler is that it wins by generating so much mana that i can just take the humble fireball spell and copy it like 700 times and kill someone if i want to it feels like that more organic storm as opposed to like this is an infinite loop kind of thing and I really really love that so yeah that's that's my first commander deck on this list anyway nice uh, and for me uh, I'm going to mention Pioneer because Pioneer is great and we should mm. Pioneer, people should play Pioneer um, I've got one of my auras in here because not only is it budget it's actually pretty good mm. like this was obvi- obviously it's a bit different now because you have the the Ores of Auras Pioneer Precom yes challenger deck but if you want to go super budget, you can pick this up. This is great. I just remember having a lot of success with it earlier in the year just because it was budget as well. And when I was in the Pioneer and the one on the budget stuff, it was really good just to have a deck that I was actually doing well with um, in like a local scene. And it's just good fun. Yeah. Like, just enjoyable. Speaking of super budget as well, mm-hmm. my budget affinity list for modern comes in at about, uh, I think it's $110 thereabouts. I have had a very positive win rate with this. It has been very enjoyable. It is super customizable, depending mm. on what's in your metagame. Like if you've got loads of control and stuff, you can add loads of counter spells or more card draw spells. And it just, it has way more sticking power than old affinity did. And it's less glass cannony than the likes of your Neoform affinity. So if you like having that, like it feels like you're doing broken stuff, but also have a very fair grindy game plan as well. Mm. It's just that nice middle of the road. Um, and that's what I use when I want to be a little more tame in modern. Yeah, uh, and my last one is not expen- is not uh, budget at all, but I really, really enjoy playing it, and that is Griggs' dress, uh, dress Down Shadow. Um, I really love Dress Down as a card and what it does, and it's just like I love playing Death Shadow as well. So it's just really nice to see yeah. Death Shadow just have that access to deal with like these big creatures. Just good fun. Yeah, despite being twelve hundred dollars. And my final one is not a deck that I actually built or played all that much with. This was more of a brew that I did for an article over in Car Kingdom, and that was Mono Blue Walls mm. for Commander, and that's uh, Geralt Visionary Stitcher. So I did this as like a budget choice for uh, Commanders from uh, Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, and the whole premise of the deck is play a load of defenders, then you can sacrifice them to make flying zombies and then use those zombies to deal combat damage which results in more cards drawn from the reconnaissance mission effects which then you can play out a lot of your defenders more and stuff and then you have different ways to like mill opponents out using like doorkeeper and all sorts of stuff it, it just attacked on like seven different angles and at any given point it either looked like a total mess or mm. like this weird rube goldberg machine so <laughs> yeah it, it was just it was completely a visionary kind of deck brew i guess but a really really cool and fun one that i very much enjoyed but yeah so taking a break from magic for a second let's talk tv shows all right what tv shows have you watched this year that you really really enjoyed 
Um, so I'll mention this one because you have it on your list as well, and mm. that's Squid Game. Squid Game mm. was quite good. Uh, yeah. Very thought provoking, but very very good. I very much enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. I recommend watching it if you. It's difficult. Like I recommend people should watch it, but it's also quite heavy. There's a lot of yeah. It's it's a very heavy subject because it's mm-hmm. about it's about a game and it's a lot of capitalism sort of notes, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, if you feel like you're of a decent mental fortitude, I would definitely yeah. say it's a it's a must watch. But uh, go in ready for it. Yeah, <laughs> you need I'll to brace say. yourself. Yeah. Next one I want to talk about. I just finished Gravity Falls. Okay. And I really enjoyed it. It mm-hmm. was really, really, really good. It was just long enough. Again, my friend Ian, not my boss, told me to get into it. That that's what sparked me to watch it in the first place. I was I had it on my list of like, yeah, I should get around to that. But he was insistent that it was really good. So I checked it out. And yes, it is very, very good. Highly recommended. It's only like two seasons long. The episodes are only like 20 minutes long. There's like 20 odd episodes a season. You can have it done in a week after dinner if you wanted to. It's just, it's like, it's it's a Disney TV show, but it's extremely well written. It is just, there's a lot of feel goods and there's an awful lot of like little hidden gems and stuff, which I really like in shows. Like you can look up the lore and stuff afterwards and, and all of these like kind of conspiracies because the whole show is basically about like conspiracies and stuff. So yeah, right. I highly recommend it. Nice. Um, so my next one is Ted Lasso. Um, so second season came out this year, but I got into the show earlier in the year when season one came out last year. So I, I started it, start of the year. And yeah, it's really, really good. Um, if Even if you're not into sports or into football, like it's still really good. You don't need to have any prior knowledge. It's just a really good backdrop. And it's just a really endearing story about a man trying to do the best against mm. all like odds and adversity like it's really really well done i really really enjoy it um and plus there's some nice um you got that nice sort of uh blend of like american humor and british humor like going in tandem okay. because obviously there's different like lost in translation sort of stuff um but no it's just a really really good show and there's a lot there's a very um broad range of characters as well like a lot of the, the female characters get quite a lot of good attention they're, they're mm. independent of that as well they're not relied on the male roles and stuff like that but yeah it's, it's, it's really funny I really enjoy it nice. I'm kind of gutted there's one more season next season so everything that's left on my list uh, is anime so if you don't care okay. for this uh, feel free to skip so <laughs> um first on my list I got into My Hero Academia this year and I know it's been around since like 2017 or 18 or whenever it is it's just really good it like one of the strengths of the show is that it goes in depth to every single character including the villains the enemies like there are some episodes where you see everything from the perspective of the villains and stuff and you actually start to understand where they're coming from and you don't condone what they're doing but you can see how they got to that point, you know? It, it very much humanizes everyone in the story. And it's also really nice to see more shows where the main character is a more sensitive type as opposed mm. to, you know, like your bleaches or whatever, where it's like, I'm a cocky, angry son of a bitch and I'm gonna be a dick to everyone. It's like, why? Why why be like that? Have mm. you seen have you seen Izuka Midoriya over here? He's lovely. Like I just like that a, a lot. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so my next one is it's a really good Netflix series I recommend watching it as well it's called Sex Education so it's a British comedy drama and it's just about a group of teenagers that are discovering themselves sexually and there's just a lot of good subjects they touch on like trans stuff like poly stuff they they really focus on stuff Mm -hmm. and they Kind of re- they try to normalise it, which is great. It's this discussion that we should have more often. But it's just really, really funny. It kind of reminds me of like community sort of humour. It's that mm. sort of laid backness, but there is some serious notes. But yeah, I do recommend that one as well. That's cool. Next on my list, similar to My Hero Academia, Demon Slayer was a good one for me this year mm. that I picked up because, first of all, it's animated beautifully. Second of all, the characters, bar maybe one, are all very nice and very... You can relate to a lot of them in a lot of different ways. Even if you don't relate to them, you can kind of empathize with them. It's very good. It's quite heartwarming as well. Not really much sexualization, which is unusual for an anime, which, you know, like... Sometimes it's fine, and then sometimes you're like, can you just stop, you know? 
there was at no point in this was there ever a can you just stop but in most shows there are so it's nice to not have that here Uh, but like really well written again beautifully animated the intro absolutely slaps yeah highly recommend my next show is one that you mentioned to me at the start of the year to recommend that I should watch, and that's Shit's Creek. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's real, real good. Um, mm. Kind of reminds me of Arrested Development a little bit because it talks about like a wealthy family that's fallen on hard, t- hard times. Mm. Um, but it's just so well done. <laughs> I just love some of, the, uh, yeah. some of the lines in that. It's just so funny. <laughs> the casting is perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Um, I watched it last year so I would put it on my list for last year but yeah if, if I'd watched it this year it would be on my top 5 as well it's so good um, I might have to rewatch it again soon I yeah think. It, it contains one of the single greatest pieces of physical comedy that has ever been put to film I won't say what it is for people that haven't watched it but you know if you want to talk about it and you have watched it DM me on Twitter yeah. but yeah highly recommended as well yeah so good Last on my list is a more avant-garde, I guess, is sort of a way of putting it, despite it being, like, exceptionally normal-based, I suppose. And that's Way of the House Husband. So this was originally a manga where it was, like, a Yakuza member stops being a Yakuza member and becomes a house husband. And it's how his transition into everyday house husband life is. And mm. it is... It's very lightly animated to look as much like a manga as possible. It's on Netflix. It is so good. It like yeah. it's chaotic as hell. It's it's so chaotic. The episodes are about 15 minutes long and within them there's like four or five different like mini stories or sketches oh, okay. or whatever. Okay, it's really short then. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. It's but it's so good. It is so very 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 good. I there's no there's no way to me for me to describe this. You just have to watch it to right. get what I'm talking about. It's just, it's fantastic. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, i that out. If they're that yeah. short, um, I'm partial to shorter episodes of TV shows because yeah. I have the intention span of, you know, a fish. So Same. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, my last one is unsurprising. I have to put Simpsons on here and I don't need to explain oh, yeah. why because we don't have enough time. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Let's move on to one more non-magic thing before we round up with a magic thing. So tell me about your top five games this year. Um, so this is a hard one for me because I haven't played as many games as I would like. Mm. And, and, not, and I'm, when I'm talking about my top five games, it's not games that, are, that have been released this year necessarily. Yeah. Um, but just stuff I've happened to pick up because I've found time or it's, it's been a good sale on it, that kind of thing. Um, so my first one is Hades. Yeah. I really, really played a lot of Hades this year. I think the game's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I have like three copies of the game on different platforms. Um, um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, I, I love the idea of having a roguelike that you just, you know, you're getting better at it. And mm. we, we both enjoy like Bloodborne and Dark Souls and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So we, we like the sort of trial by fire kind of games. But yeah. no, it's just, it's beautifully animated. The, the voice acting's great, the music's great. You know, you never feel yeah. like you're never out of the fight, which is really nice as well, because it, it has that repetitiveness. It's just so good. Like, yeah. you should play it if you haven't. Yeah, like, I played it to death last year, and again, it mm. would have made my list last year, but this is, that's one of the games that's closest to a masterpiece that I could think of. Yeah. It so really good. is. First on my list is Final Fantasy fourteen. So, I tried to get into it before, didn't really work. Turns out, I just didn't really know how the game worked, and mm. I chose a terrible class to start off with, well, for my playstyle anyway. So now that I'm into it and I'm used to it, it's really good. And I completely understand when people talk about like having played this for like eight years or 10 years or whatever. Mm. I get it. I get it. I can see why. There's so much there. There's so much you can do. I am not normally one for MMOs, but this one got me. Gotta say. Okay. So my next one is a game I've, I've picked up recently, but I've been pretty into, and that's Metroid Dread. Mm. Um, so that came out, what, last month? Uh, on the Nintendo that. Switch. It's like the first full Metroid release for quite some time. Mm. But what makes this one really good is that they're going back to the, the, the side-scrolling Metroidvania-y classic mm. style. So it's 3D, but you're side-scrolling, which is really, really cool. Um, also, it's really, really difficult, and I love really difficult games, as we were talking about Dark Souls earlier and, and Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just like a... It's a nice sort of nostalgia trip for me, because Super Metroid is one of my favourite video games as well. 
So it's yeah. just a lot of nods to that, and it's just great. Nice. My next one is Delta Rune, chapters mm-hmm. one and two. Uh, chapter one came out a long time ago, but I'm just adding it here now anyway because mm-hmm. they're all sort of part and parcel. If you liked Undertale, you would love Delta Rune. It's there's something about things that Toby Fox has anything to do with and that is that the characters are warm and so lovable and so strong and so full of whimsy and the worlds are completely ensconced in chaos but also wonder and there's just something about it there's like you will never experience something like these kind of toby fox games and i highly highly recommend delta in chapters one and two are free go and download them and play them can't stress it enough so good okay um so this one isn't like a new new game it's mm-hmm. one that i keep coming back to which is something that happens a lot with me and this one's slay the spire yeah. um so i have it on my phone i have it on pc it's a deck building dungeon game and you just have a class and you go through and fight monsters and you have inventory and stuff like that um it's just really good like i don't need to explain too much about yeah. it because i'm pretty sure people have played it but yeah i love Agreed. slay the spire yeah great game Next one for me, Control. It was that Heard action, it's quite good. Yeah, it was that like sort of action game from ooh, probably like three years ago-ish. I, I picked it up because it was free on the Epic Game Store. And I was like, hey, yeah. you know what? Why not? Let's try it. It's so good. Oh my God, it's so good. It contains one of the greatest sequences in gaming, in my opinion. Uh, if anyone has played it, you will know it as the Ashtray Maze. If you haven't... Uh, go and find a way to get this game and play it Mm. it has a lot of replay value surprisingly for like a fairly linear-ish action game um it is a little bit horror-y just fyi but it's not Mm. like mad jump scary stuff it's more like very disturbing stuff but yeah highly highly recommend it uh and another one like slay the spire is one that i keep coming back to and that Mm -hmm. is stardew valley which is just a cute little sort of village building game where you have a farm and then you use that farm to sell stuff and you can have like fields of cows and stuff in a village um it's like a it's a good like work placement sort of video game and i just kind of enjoy those once in a while because i can just forget about my day job and then play this instead which is kind of like a job but not (laughs) at the same time (laughs) wind down from working by working yes with pixels um (laughs) next on my list is a non-video game but uh, Flesh and Blood, I quite yeah. enjoyed it. Um, now, okay. I haven't gotten massively into it, but what I have played, I've really enjoyed. So, yeah, it's it's kind of hard for me to get into it because there's only really one place near me that it's played. It's mm. an LGS and it's relatively far away or difficult for me to get to or takes a good while. And you can't really goldfish the decks because they're so, it's such a heavily interactive game. Yeah. But... I've been really enjoying what I have played, so thought I'd make the list. Nice. Uh, and my non-video game option uh, on this list is Wingspan. It's probably mm. one of my favourite board games I've played in the last year. Um, so Wingspan is like a competitive card-driven but engine-building game. Okay. As you can tell by the name, um, you're a bird enthusiast. So your job is to you have a bird preserve. So you've got to find ways to attract different kinds of birds to your preserve. Mm. And then they, uh, they they roost, they have eggs, they make babies, that sort of stuff. And yeah. through this deck building game, whoever gets the most points wins. But it's like an engine builder. But it's, it's just beautifully made. There's mm. some really nice art. And plus you learn about birds. Like it's actually educational as well. But yeah, I recommend Wingspan. It's so good. It's one nice. of my favourites. And my final one is, back to video games, uh, Celeste. Now, technically this shouldn't, quote-unquote, make the list, but we're making the rules around here, so stuff it. Uh, I started this game in December last year, but finished it in January, so I'm counting it. It's one of the best platformers possibly ever made. Like, I, I, it's a lovely story as well. Um, very, very cathartic and warming story. I highly recommend but the feel of it is just, it's second to none. It mm. feels incredible to play. It's, it's hard. It's hard, but it's very good. But yes, that'll probably round it up for the non-magic stuff. Let's touch back yeah. on a couple of magic bits and bobs before we round out the show. I am going to go through my top five commanders very quickly because yes. 
I know that you're not really too much into Commander that much anymore, Emma. Not anymore, no. Like, yeah. there's some, like, there's been some cool legendary creatures. I'm like, oh, that'd be a cool deck to build, but then I just don't have the time. But yeah, I entertained the four at least for like two seconds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you can, if you can get someone to like build you this deck, and then like you oh, just like rock up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, there were two from Strixhaven in particular that stood out to me. They were Octavia Living Thesis and Lelia the Blade Reforged. Now, these are part of my Wooburg cycle of Commander decks. Mm -hmm. I have Wooburg decks, one of each color. And these are the blue and the red ones. Octavia being the 8-8 Octopus that costs 8 less to cast when you've got 8 spells in the bin, that kind of thing. And then whenever you cast or copy spells, it turns your creatures into 8-8. So the whole idea is to fill your graveyard really quickly with like little cantrips or like small wheel effects and that kind of thing. And then play little unblockable creatures and that kind of thing and just turn them into 8-8s with mm. your random cantrips and stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to play. It's Spellslinger, but on a completely different axis that I haven't played on before, and it's great. Uh, Lelia, I've talked about a ton of times before on here. Um, there was the brew-off that I did with Angelo on here uh, a couple of months back. Mm. That goes into great detail on the deck because that was actually the deck I built for that. It's just, it's aggressive, but also extremely grindy and can sometimes sort of storm off a little bit in terms of, like it's a value storm as opposed to a Mm. win con. But yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, I had to add Vadric Astral Archmage on here. This is essentially the Goblin Electromancer slash Mizzix in the command zone. Yeah. Because uh, if you see my pinned tweet on Twitter... Gavin Verhey, like uh, a year before this card came out, was like, if you could have any creature in the command zone, uh, any non-legendary creature in the command zone, what would it be? And I said Goblin Electromancer. And then this comes out. And I'm like, you're, <laughs> nice. one, you're one of the real ones, Gavin. You did this. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> so nice. uh, They're terrifying, in, in case you weren't sure. Yeah. They're absolutely terrifying. It's all too easy to break Vadric in half. Uh, yeah. But they're still really, really cool. Uh, Slogurk the Overslime, Simic like Lands, Slogurk. yeah, Simic Lands and Landfall. I used to have Tatiova and I put her together and took her apart like four Same. times because she's loads of fun to play. But when you actually want to end the game, it takes a million years. Yeah, it's so slow. But Slogurk, while you're taking your game actions, it's just like, yeah. well, this thing's enormous now, so now you die. You know. Yeah. It, it, it has the rare trope of a Simic card of, hey, I can kill you with combat damage and commander damage. Right. <laughs> which is nice yeah and then the final one kind of an honourable mention because I don't really play with her a whole lot but I absolutely love the the deck and the, the way I'm it works by this. and that's Brina the Demagogue the uh, Silver Quill commander from Strixhaven yep she's just great at politicking just really good at politicking and like sort of group hugging and sort of keeping mm. things in check but then just rando Voltron win out of nowhere it's incredible it's mm. really, really fun to play with. If you're after that kind of style, this is probably one of the better commanders for it, in my opinion now. Yeah. But yeah, they're my top five commanders. And then to round out the set of top fives, um, that, that <laughs> last one, the top five commanders, didn't count because otherwise this would then be six top fives. Yeah. Which makes no it. sense. No. But Go keep it beautiful. The last one, top five sets. So we, while we were filling out the show notes for this episode, before we hit record, it was originally going to be top five commanders is one of the five top fives. Mm. But then we realized that there were actually so many sets and product releases this year that we could actually have a top five of sets. So that's what we did. Yeah. So I'm going to start us off with one. My top set for this year was Strixhaven, in my opinion. Because of Magecraft and because of the precons. Yeah. I hated the fact that the story was condensed down so hard that, for example, while you were drafting, you found some of the story cards depicting the end of the story and also then drafted afterwards cards that depicted the start of the story. I, I hate that. I absolutely yeah. hate that. But, yeah, the, the rest of it kind of made up for it, I guess. How about you? Yeah. Um, so I think my favourite set of the year um, has to be Avenger of the Forgotten Realms, mm. um, purely because I just love D&D. The fact that there's like D and D characters on like magic yeah. cars is just great. Like I've been wanting it for so long. <clears throat> it's just a really cool crossover set. It's a lot of nice flavor. Mm. But yeah, it's just like the the module cards and the rule book frames. It all just look really really good. And it's just like the D and D nerd in me is just really excited. And I'm really excited for Commander Legends next year as well as a result. Because you got Baldur's yeah. Gate. 
for sure. Yeah, uh, that adventure in the Forgotten Realms was actually second on my list as well because pretty much the same reasons. So I'm going to jump to the next one, which is Modern Horizons Two. So yes, I get it. There's Ragavan and stuff. This is and, one of mine as well. So there is like Ragavan and all that kind of stuff to deal with, you know, but. It has been a net positive, let's be real. It's made modern more powerful. It's given new pieces to archetypes that either weren't a thing or had, again, like Affinity and stuff, lost things to the bands mm. and everything. And it's made an awful lot of budget decks stronger. Despite the fact that the prices are going up on modern decks, the number of budget options are now higher in number, which is great. Yeah. And plus you've got the reprint of Fetchlands and they're fairly affordable now compared to what they were last year, which is great. Modern mm-hmm. Horizons 2 is out there for me. I really do love the premise of these sets. Yeah. Um, I just wish they weren't so format warping. Yeah. See, you know, the elemental incarnations mm-hmm. and Ragavans and Darcy's and stuff. Yeah. Hope we get another one in a couple of years. It seems we get these like every two years, it seems. So yeah. Modern Horizons 3, hopefully it's like 2023. And I really want to see a Pioneer one at some point on a side note as well. Mm-hmm. And my other top set that I enjoyed uh, was Time Spiral Remastered mm. because it was the first remaster set, like a new product line, right? Yep. And I think this is a really cool way for players who didn't play Magic back in the early 2000s get to experience a condensed version of Time Spiral block they can draft it mm. and so forth. And it, it gives you a good avenue to reprint sort of desirable cards like Tarmogoyf is a good example from Future yep. Sight. And I really want to see more sets like this. So I'm kind of hoping we see like Lawwin at some point because I'd really like mm. Lawwin remastered because I never experienced Lawwin and I really love like tribal sort of sets. So. Yeah, that'd be cool. That also incidentally was on my list. Um, yeah. The last one on my list, Caltime. Mm-hmm. So like I think Snow is cool. I know that like design wise it's not great, but there were interesting cards. I kind of liked the setting. I kind of wish they went a little bit more into the story and stuff, but... Mm. I have to say, I didn't really like the power level of it. There were an awful lot of, like, weak things in there. Now, I know that, like, Standard got ruined by, like, Alderaan's Epiphany or arguably a Seeker's Chariot and all that sorts of stuff. Whatever. But there were a couple of cards that had impact in other formats, but not enough compared to the Mm. other sets, I think. It seemed pretty safe, didn't it, in comparison to, like, Theros and Eldrain. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad of that. <laughs> yeah, so am I. That's why a lot of people said, didn't they? Cause it's, yeah. It seemed underwhelming at the time because you still have Ferris and Eldrain cards. Yeah. And then when they rotated out, now you've got Oran's Epiphany decks. But I think overall the set's good. I love Norse mythology anyway, so the flavour was quite nice. I just wish there was more on the story. Yeah. As usual. <laughs> I think that's mine because I'm not... Like, we had this conversation before the recording. We yeah. talked about how underwhelmed we were by Innistrad. Oh, stop. Sorry, Angelo. <laughs> yeah, I think th- I think that's the reason why we didn't invite Angelo on for this episode. <laughs> yeah, he's so mad. <laughs> Listen, Angelo, buddy. Uh, we can't... We Yeah, like, my problem with Innistrad was that it, it just didn't feel very interesting, really. Like, oh, they're going to make happened. everything nighttime. Like, what's that going to do? Okay, all the vampires are going to come out. Okay, but what's that going to do? Oh, are they going to kill everybody? No, they're going to keep everyone alive because they're food, obviously. Like, okay, sure. So the end of the world is we actually still sort of live. This is weird. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I just... Now, I didn't read the the story. Maybe there's more in there or something, you know. But like at at a top level here, like that doesn't sound all that bad, you know, Mm. like... If you want to have that sort of real feeling of horror and dread and stuff, and I know I'm probably in the minority here, but I much preferred the aesthetic and the, the story feel of the likes of Shadows Over Innistrad and stuff because yeah. it felt much more cataclysmic. It felt like there's much more at stake. It felt better, I think. Like, yeah. And I know a lot of people weren't mad on the body horror side of things and everything, but I thought it was actually really cool. And there are more people that will like that than people think, I think. Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. Mm. But yeah. That's it. Anyway, rant over. Uh, top five. <laughs> top fives are also over. Um, overall, what did you think of this year, Emma? Overall, I think it was okay. It obviously is still a bit weird because you know mm. we've got lockdowns and pandemics are still ongoing. Um, I'm not excited by the incredible amount of releases on a- arena and tabletop mm. combined. Um, it just feels very hard to keep up. I know I'm kind of got a bit of tunnel vision now because we both work yeah. in content, so we yeah. obviously have this obligation to focus on this stuff more than usual. But I think overall it's been good. 
in terms of mm-hmm. like the the power of the sets. We don't have a 2019 on our hands or a 2020 no. on our hands. And you've got stuff like Spell Table, which has allowed people to play more magic and you know yeah. this innovation to come through. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's been good. I think it's a slight positive. <laughs> Not by yeah. much, but it's a slight positive. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. Like, it, it does trend positively, but I said this before recording as well. I didn't realize until I wrote down everything that happened this year that I actually just don't think I really liked this year. Like, There's nothing that, the only the only thing that grabbed me excitedly as like a magic player is the D and D set, and yeah. that's in, in part due to D and D. But like otherwise, I'm just like, yeah, cool. And I think I'm a bit blasé about it because it's just so much stuff. Yeah, I mean, like I forget like about said, it. Like a week later, yeah. <laughs> like we had Infinity previews a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna forget about that until April first when it actually comes out next yeah. year. Like. Yeah. Like, like, so like, you, like you said, like it's it it is a benefit to us who do things with content because we don't have to worry about. We said this before. We don't have to worry about what we're writing about next week or recording okay. the week after or whatever because Watsi basically have this set schedule now where they release so much stuff that we can just kind of do a loop just on keeps everything. You in the lane, fine, doesn't you know? it? Yeah, keeps you in the lane. You don't have to stress that. Oh, what am I writing about this week? or it's just removed for you and you can work around that which is much easier but yeah. at the same time it's like could you just not really say my stuff randomly because <laughs> you we obviously it's reactive at yeah. the same time yeah and like it is getting to a point where there is so much that we are starting to have to pick and choose what we talk about like we couldn't yeah. really talk much about alchemy because well first of all we don't really do a whole lot on arena and one of the reasons for that is because there's so much stuff going on with arena that i gave up and you gave up and like yeah. <laughs> you know so it's yeah it's hard it's very hard yeah but that's it that is it for this episode to round things off emma have we got any q a we do we have a question for mini maya on the bmcast discord they ask with 2021 coming to an end what's the best and worst thing to happen to magic this year oh um, Uh, so the best thing spell table i'm sticking with that because the innovation of spell table has been great it means people can play magic safely and commander has popped off even more so as a result great great little tool um the worst thing i'm just going to say the arena economy because it's absolute horseshit so continually bad the lack of solutions to that economy i think is the worst thing about this year I kind of like the fact that both of those started before this year started, but they have had enough of an impact that they weren't yeah. saying again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like. that's fair. Oh, what was the best thing to happen to Magic? Um, I think... It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, like... I think one the of gathering? the... Gathering? Yeah, well, kind of, actually, yeah. I was, I was going to say, I was toying in my head, like, is MTG Vegas one of the best things that's happened this year for Magic? Probably... Because an awful lot of people that care an awful lot about magic and stuff got to meet up and and be together yeah, and stuff. Con as well. That was another one that happened this year. Like the re- the sort of not quite return, but maybe return of events. Yes, but of. at the same time, I also think they're arguably the worst things to happen to magic this year as well. Yeah, um, it's very conflicting, isn't it? For two reasons, and one is the people that couldn't go severe FOMO. That mm-hmm. always sucks. It's harder now because of travel restrictions and ongoing pandemic and all sorts of stuff. But also, it kind of made people feel like, you know, oh, well, this means events are back forever. And it's like, it's no, not. like, it's not. It's just Might like... Might be. Brian, Who knows? Like... To quote Brian Gottlieb posting on Twitter last night, one of the, the hosts of Arena Decklist podcast, he, he said in a tweet, uh, turns out you can still live without getting together in groups of hundreds to play wizard squares. And I love that, wizard squares. He's completely right. Like, <laughs> it sounds, right. Brian sounds very good at being right. It's, it's a reductive statement, but it's used in the correct space and point. It's like, mm. think about what actually matters here. Like, these events are not the be all and end all. Like, yes, it is great to be able to meet up with people and everything. And, and like, I do not. I know I do not begrudge people for going. I do not wish that it didn't happen or whatever. Mm. I, I, I wish that everything else was just managed better around it. But as a result, it sort of put it in a bad light for a lot of people for a number of different reasons. And I think we owe it to each other as magic players, regardless of whatever side you're on in terms of wanting events or not wanting events or whatever, to be able to empathize with that. And yeah, that's tough. Um that takes a certain difficult. a certain level of empathy that a lot of people and arguably myself even like 
two or three years ago wouldn't have had. So yeah, yeah it's tough. It, yeah, it, it's it's weird that events are, in my opinion, the best and worst thing to have happened to Magic this year. But there you go. I, mean, I, I think you're right, though. Yeah, right. Is this one of those like he's right but he shouldn't say it kind of things? It's the technically <laughs> right, isn't it? <laughs> In this case, it's not the best kind. It's probably yeah, the worst kind. It's it's probably just true. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. However, we've had more patrons join recently that can fit into the usual outro, so I've got to speed this up a bit. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Aliandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Matthew O'Neill, Anthony Burchett, Morgan Roberts, MF Peaches, Miss Eldridge, Zachary Morrow, Minnie Maya, Jonas Kong, Jeff Heaton, Ozan Kaplaner, and Scott Hatch. And at the songs here we have Scott Creech, Simon Griff, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz-Madsen, Mickey Paris, Mark Davis, Coffey, Spencer Stack and Tom Telford. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or messages on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. 